0: If you repeat results, you are in the business that is diagonally opposite to innovation.
1: You know, I've heard people say it's all about execution. BlackBerry was executing really well. The trouble is, the world changed while they were busy executing. The most
0: powerful catalyst for getting people into the right frame of mind to do something different and to innovate is actually the sharing of stories.
2: Welcome back to the Innovation Engine Podcast. I'm David DeWolf, founder and CEO of 3Pillar Global. For this episode of the podcast, we'll be discussing how to become an insights-driven business and how what we call at 3Pillar the product mindset can set you on the path to becoming one. Among the topics that we'll discuss are what it means to be insights-driven, the advantages that are inherent in focusing your efforts on driving to business outcomes, and why you may be surprised at which role in a company is often becoming the driving force behind this shift. Here with us today to talk about all of that and more is Tyler McDaniel of Forrester. As Vice President of Buyer Experience Analytics at Forrester, Tyler is responsible for product strategy, operations, and client servicing. He manages a team of product managers and analytics insights professionals who help Forrester clients understand technology adoption trends, buyer behavior, and customer journey information for purchases of products and services. Prior to joining Forrester, Tyler delivered product and marketing strategy consulting solutions to technology vendors around the globe. Tyler started his career at Forrester working as a data principal, guiding clients on marketing strategy decisions based on data. His experience covers a variety of topics ranging from marketing positioning, messaging and programs to -to go-to-market strategy, partnering and channel strategy. He has held several marketing positions within the technology industry with a particular focus on enterprise software. I've also had the pleasure of spending a lot of time with Tyler at two conferences recently, Forrester's Data Strategy and Insights Conference, and most recently, Outsell's Data Money. Welcome to the podcast, Tyler.
0: Thank you, David. That is a lot more than a mouthful there, uh, mouthful there, and I appreciate the kind introduction and the background. But it's a pleasure to be here, and I'm I'm looking forward to our conversation today.
2: Yeah, me too. Uh, it, let's on that note start things off talking about the recent Forrester Data Strategy and Insights Conference that you and I were both at. Um, I got the opportunity to see you, and we talked about. The characteristics of what make Forrester, uh, what Forrester calls insight driven businesses and, and how those are different from their competitors. What are the five competencies that uh, Forrester has identified of those businesses that have mastered this idea?
0: Yeah, it's a great way to get started thinking about what this insights driven business is um, to break it down into these, these attributes of these five categories. And let me just hit the highlights of them and then I'll kind of circle back and give a little bit of detail. So in a, in a simple nutshell, they're strategy, people, technology, process, and data. Now, those might not necessarily seem like you know things that you haven't heard about before we haven't looked at uh, as, as we mature as organizations or offer new types of products or insights into the market. But we tried to build this out a little bit more and let me break this down and, and start with the strategy. And when you hear some of these attributes, it'll start to make sense of how things have changed and how the market has moved and how we need to move. So strategy. We're not just connecting data. Um, That's an important part of it, various different types of data but we've got to marry that now with insights around that data so not just moving data into the right system and letting the system process but insights and more importantly is translate that into an action that mm-hmm. could be a marketing action that could be a customer service action that could be a field service action it could be a shipping and logistics action right um, and what we is really we really see here on the strategy is we're trying to make this a closed loop environment right mm-hmm. Um, Forrester's been writing a lot about uh, systems of insight. And those systems of insight are connected to business actions. Hmm. And if we drill, build these in a closed-loop fashion from our strategy, this is how we start to operate differently than we've passed. Right? Because a lot of times that loop has never been closed. And so you get some insight, and then maybe one or two people know what to do with it, but the organization isn't going to move the needle enough Right? if it's not closed. So that's one big thing on the strategy. That's Fascinating. On the people side, um, to me, you know what, what I'm excited about, and what I see in our organization, what I see in our client organizations around the globe, people with these insight skills and these deep data knowledge skills are getting embedded into the business, right? Mm-hmm. There's that marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and for somebody like me who owns a product um, that's built on a data foundation, marriage of that deep insight skill, that deep analytical skill into my business strategy becomes a competitive differentiator, helped me really move to an action-based uh, idea on, on something on closed-loop. So being embedded, not being off by yourself, working in the uh, the academic halls over there with, with crazy tools that no one can understand, right? <laughs> Getting into the business with the team. Right. On the technology side, it is back to that concept I mentioned earlier. We've moved from systems of record. Okay, let's record yep. everything we've got about customers. Yep. You know, we've moved past that and moved into these systems of insight that A, record what's going on with the customer, but B, more importantly, help us understand how to take action with the customer. Right. Um, and that's that's a, a, new, a unique type of, of scenario. On the process side, without going into a lot of details there, I think the biggest thing is be agile, right? Adjust. Mm. Customers change, right? I, I think everybody knows that, but it's hard to... Um, embrace that when you're in a business and you're trying to move quickly. And then a big portion of your customer base is saying, Hey, we want a different experience. right?" So we have to be open to that. And we have to recognize, I think, from the start that customers are going to change. Their needs Mm. today are not going to be their needs in 6 months, 12 months. That's okay. We don't have to break ourselves against that rock. Um, Be be open to those adjustments. And then the last piece on data, and I think we've done a lot of work here. Uh, It's been a lot of success bringing multiple types of data together. Mm-hmm. Um, recently, you and I were together at, the, at that outsell conference. And I think one of the things that came out of that is there is no one single source of data that tells everything we need to know to take action. Right. It's a combination. And that's the exciting part about being in this data business and being an insights-driven business is yep. you're constantly bringing in new types of, of data and information to take that action on. So yep. those are some of the attributes. That we talk about, if that makes
2: sense. Yeah, there, there's so many directions I want to go there because there's a lot of meat in what you just said. But what what's fascinating to me is, you know, Forrester is known for not just coming up with hy- hunches and hypotheses, but like diving in and doing the research to validate these things. And so, yeah. in your research, can you just touch on the foundation of that and the maturity assessment that you guys did to really assess and get your your fingers, you know, wrapped around
0: this? Yeah. I mean, we want to put our money where our mouth is on that. And we want to go out and test these ideas and collect insights and collect data around the market to prove out the hypothesis that we have and then help our clients figure out what they should do in relationship to that. Mm -hmm. So in terms of being an insights-driven business, I would say we're really early in our process here. In the North American market in the enterprise space, which is you know a big portion of our global company, but a lot of our clients are enterprise, about 57% of businesses are in that beginner stage of their journey to insight-driven business. So, Just getting started. There's a lot of, yeah, exactly. And you know when you think about those attributes, those five attributes, some of them are a little bit further along than others. And if you think, you know, companies think about their own their own company, they might say, well, gosh, we got great data scientists, but our processes aren't very agile. Or right. we've been building out this very cool technology, but we don't have a strategy of how we're using it. right? So I, yep. I see a lot of that in the beginner. Yep. On the intermediate phase, where we're starting to see things come together, but maybe we're not at scale yet, um, or maybe the loops aren't quite as closed as we think they need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, we're about 36% of the market. But for those who are really advanced, it's not many, it's 7%. And what that tells me is this is kind of a new frontier for business behavior, if you will. And um, it's kind of exciting to be at the early stages of that and helping our clients kind of build work and strategy to make that happen. Yeah.
2: Well, and isn't that exciting? Because I think so often we get caught up in the buzz of the market and everybody's talking about data and insights and machine learning and AI. All of these things that are data-driven and insight-driven and we get caught up in the press. And I think a lot of times we feel like we're behind. And what I'm hearing you say is our listeners probably aren't as far behind as they think they are.
0: Yeah, don't get discouraged there on that front. And you know, maybe that might feel like cold comfort to people. But what I would say is ask your peers and start working with your peers outside of your own organization, asking these questions of where you're at on your journey and the things that they're doing. Because chances are you're going to find more of them are kind of where you're at than you might expect and that's a that's an opportunity for learning and sharing and collaboration which you know, I think is is fruitful for everybody to get involved
2: in. All right. So I'm going to take your advice on the spot. You said, ask your peers yeah. and, and figure out where each other are. So uh, how about you guys? Like one of the things I'm fascinated by is you're not just doing this research, you're living it yourself. Where do you think yeah. your organization is at in this maturity model? Have, have you mastered it? Are you leading the edge? Are you in that 7%?
0: We are in the upper 1% there David. Awesome. Absolutely. I love um, it. <laughs> <no>. <laughs> um, we are on a journey ourselves and like many of those folks in that sort of beginner intermediate area, there's are certain areas of our business that we've moved faster on. Strategy um, is an area where we move faster. Um, I think we've got a, a, a working model around our people as well that's that's awesome. embedding, data science and i can talk to that in my own organization in my own product management organization i have embedded engineers embedded data scientists that are helping me deliver great product experiences out to our customers right so we've taken that to heart in our business technology is always challenging right because it changes a lot you need help and there's a limited budget and, and time so i think that's an area where we'll continue to improve ourselves but to me also i think this idea of um Bringing multiple types of data together is an area where that's a can be a thorny challenge, and I think we've made a lot of progress. But for sure, you know, we talk about this, but if I di- diagnose our own selves, you know, we're maybe uh, we need some work on this front as well. Oh,
2: I appreciate the honesty. Yeah, you know, I, th- I think like you, we we struggle as well, right? It, it, it's so funny that the things that you work on and you talk about and you have insights into. Oftentimes, it's a lot easier to tell the world what they should be doing than to look at yourself and and mature along that path, right? And so, just a good, healthy reminder for all of us that we're all on this journey together. And this, I couldn't agree more, is is a phenomenon that's just getting started, right? And uh, we're early on in maturity, I'm fascinated by something you've said a couple of times now. You were talking about yourself and how you're stronger at sums and maybe even excel and have mastered um, some of the pillars. Um, you know, uh, It sounds like for you, strategy and people are two of them, but in others, you're weaker. Do you find that's typically how most firms grow is they typically have a strength in one or two? They don't necessarily, oh, everywhere across the board, we're at 20% or you know, something like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it it kind of it sorts out that way when you dig down deeper into the characteristics that drive these attributes. Mm -hmm. There is there are some some peaks and valleys in there. There's a lot of variance there. And strategy, I don't think strategy is easy at all. But what it can do is it can be a lightning rod mandate for an organization. Right? As a Mm. as a as a leader of your organization, I mean, you can establish a strategy and get the organization behind that. And while that's not simple, mm-hmm. it's often something that seems more manageable um, mm-hmm. than like, okay, the budgeting process for investment in technology to drive a systems of insight to create a closed loop with our data science organization back to our customer support organization. Wow, that's a mouthful, right? <laughs> right.
2: Um, <laughs> yeah. so, um, it's hard to the put in a line of a spreadsheet and get past the CFO,
0: right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The other thing is... Um, and, and I'm kind of curious how you see this as well. Yeah. We're seeing emergence of new types of skills in our people and impossible employees for the business out there. Like, I have this great experience of watching new employees come in with business acumen, client skill acumen, and data acumen or technology yeah. acumen married together, which, you know, 10, 15 years ago in my career, these were very separate disciplines and domains and you went to business school and the technology people did right. their thing. Or you were a data scientist and you didn't understand the customer um, and didn't need to. And, and that's not happening. And I feel like Forster embraces that type of people uh-huh. um, and those type of people. I'm curious if you're also seeing that maybe we have a new type of employee with broader skills that can be yeah. valuable in this, in this kind of economy.
2: I think that's a fascinating insight, and I, I think you're spot on. I saw it first with uh, so the 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 one that has preceded this data insights and and, and people understanding that regardless of their discipline and skill set, the one that precedes that is actually digital and technology. Right? If you think yeah. of millennials, I think you can grasp this concept um, a little bit better. They grew up with a smartphone in their hand, right? And so for right. what you and I, right? We're, I don't know how we got in that camp, but here I am, right? <laughs> uh, for what you and I have to. <laughs> Struggle to learn and come up to speed with. I, I look at my kids, even my two-year-old son is already using technology that I didn't even think about using until I was in college, right? And and that's fascinating. I am definitely seeing the earliest phases of that trend with data and insights as well, that there is so much data in this world that people are just getting used to consuming it and figuring out what to do with it. And I often equate this trend to what has happened with like the finance discipline or with strategy discipline, right? If you are a business executive, you are expected to have a certain amount of financial competence and know how to read a PL yeah. and know how to right. read a balance sheet, right? I think the right. same thing is going to happen in data and I think has started to happen with technology as all.
0: Yeah, I think you're spot on there. And um, I look at, for example, we've opened some new positions in our team recently, some new younger people earlier in their tenure of their career. I got to tell you, I'm dead impressed with some of the skills they come in with that they that they take for granted that I go, wow, you know, it took me a while to master that, right? Um, so totally. it's exciting. And, I, and as, a, as, a, as a leader in the organization, I, I embrace that. And I, I would okay. encourage other people to embrace that kind of new employee, fresh vision is, yeah. as well. Yeah, and, and I think one
2: of the things that that really gets me excited about is we often at 3Pillar talk about the power of cross-functional teams. Um, I think true yeah. innovation comes from different perspectives, different ideas, diversity of thought. And too often we've operated in silos, right? Where, okay, the engineers yeah. sit over there and you code your stuff. And then the, the product management team is over here and user experience is telling you what it should look like. Real innovation, you want true innovation, get a cross-functional team together that has all these skill sets. And I think that breed of person, you're almost getting that small little innovation pod wrapped up in a single person when they're coming with multiple skill sets. Kind of cool, if you think about it.
0: Yeah, you know, it's funny that you say that because I can see evidence of that in individual employees, but I I completely agree with you that interdisciplinary, cross-functional approach to innovation We've embraced that here at Forrester. Um, That's a big part of what we do. But I know we talk with our clients about that as well. But I can tell you in my own work, it does pay dividends, right? Because there's a technologist, a software engineer sitting with us, listening to a customer need. We translate the business strategy around that, but they uncover some unmet issue that um, we could address. And that drives us into a whole new path, right? And, And to be honest with you, I love that, right? That's pa- that's the part of innovation that is fun is when you bring those different uh, chemistries together and kind of build something new out of it. Yeah.
2: You you, get, you have those aha moments where you create opportunity for them, right? And and I go back yeah. often and I say context matters, right? And and when yeah. you have more of these diff- di- interdisciplinary skills and you have more perspectives and more inputs, that collision of ideas and data points can happen more often, and it, it's fun yeah. to see that happen, right? It is.
1: It is. <laughs> it is.
0: I mean, I know they say that work is a four letter word, but uh, you know, when I'm when I'm working like that, that's when I'm also having fun at the same time, which I love. I
2: right? I'm, I'm totally with you. And so that, that's the point of this whole podcast is to give people the tools to do that. And, uh, and so we're talking about data. We're talking about insights off of that data. Let's go back to the maturity model. I want to ask you one more question about this because we, we talked about how different aspects of it grow at different paces. If you're an organization that's either maybe they're in the 57% uh, of that beginner category and they want to take the next step. Do you say focus on your strengths and and get even better on your strengths? Or do you say, you know what, broaden out and make sure that you're growing across all of these different frames together?
0: Yeah, I would say it's probably more of the latter, but it's the latter in terms of building up some of the areas where you need more capability or more skills or more uh, agility. Okay. But manage it at scale. Don't try to overdo it across the organization. So, Because what I've sort of had an experience of, and I think one of the things we see with our clients is, a challenge with this is when it goes to scale, it's easy for things to get complicated or burdensome or weighed down, right? So if you're good on your strategy, you're good on your people, institute a process and use the right technology and bring the data in there and then get some mastery going there Hmm. because nothing perpetuates success like success even at a small scale, right? And so I feel like bringing up the other attributes kind of at that same level and then talking about adding the scale and the aperture of it will help clients be more successful in this because you know if you're trying something new in particular you're always in the, in this business world we live in you're going to have to validate and prove that you've made a business impact mm-hmm. and so why not hit a couple of marks of success and then build it out from there
2: Totally. So that gets me excited because it actually brings you. You are talking about momentum creating momentum. And it's a thought that I had when you were talking about process, and you specifically talked about managing change well in this agile environment, that type of thing. That begins to intersect a little bit with what we call the product mindset and the way that in order to innovate, we think you have to excel at change. And so I would say one of the hurdles that I often see in businesses is that they are trying to still manage change. They're trying (laughs) to risk mitigate against what could go wrong, as opposed to embracing change and saying, we're going to excel it. We're going to make this a competitive advantage. Is that what you would call mastery of that process? Or how do you think about that? Where does that idea or do you disagree with that? How would you map that into your maturity model?
0: No, I like that a lot. I think it's true. I think it's becoming, you know, the only thing that's inevitable is change here and and mm. and if you ride it appropriately, you still have to prioritize, right? You can't do all things at all times. But what I've found is if you resist that change, particularly from your customers and I and I would speak from some experience here on this, having had this, unfortunately, and we won't go into the, the nitty-gritty details, but this idea that if you're resistant to change, particularly from where your customer pressure is, A, you get left behind pretty quickly. B you get kind of in this death grip of a belief about your customer or your business that becomes less true the further you get away from that point. And you know, you lose your strategy your products don't mean as much anymore you're not as valuable you can't service your clients as much or as well anymore your competition addresses that need more effectively than you do so you know it can almost be a death grip if you don't accept the change is coming yep and and that's where it's like you know, you can't just hold it in place forever it doesn't mean you don't prioritize because part of strategy is what you're not doing as you well know right so, as, totally. as much as what you are doing and sometimes that change comes to you and you say okay this part of the market or this part of our customer or this part of our business is changing that's not where we can be successful mm-hmm. or that's not where we can differentiate our product experience or our customer experience anymore yep so we're we're not going to pursue that right and right. so that's where i would say is the business strategy and the business priority plays into that but i'm with you you know sort of anecdotal i have this sort of love hate relationship with my team when they come to me and they said hey tyler I was talking to this customer the other day, and this is now what they say they need, or this is what they're <laughs> asking for, and we can't do this today. And I think to myself, "Oh man, okay, when can we help this client? Like, when do we build right. what we need to to get this client?" And so I start immediately thinking, "Oh my gosh, we can't help them, and 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 boy, we're in trouble." But then I step back and go, "Thank you for bringing me that change, right? Thank you for yep. bringing that idea, and let's prioritize around it." But you got to have that coming into the system otherwise you get really stale.
2: Undoubtedly and and I think the other challenge that starts to come in here is we live in a world that is used to getting things done and thinking about completing something, right? And in this world of constant change where change is the only reality, you're just never done. Right, And if you think about the digital products that you and I are building and being an insights-driven business, what what you learn is this is an ever-changing marketplace and we can't have this line in the sand that says we're done. So in that instance you just talk about, when somebody comes and says, this is what all my customers are asking for wow, maybe we need to step back and say, well, what we had planned, how do we pivot? And how do we focus on what they want? And oh, by the way, what are they saying they don't want anymore? Or let's be an insights-driven business. Let's go look at the data and see what the data is telling us. This part of the product that we're working on, my gosh, we should just cross it off the list because it's never used, right? And so we have to get into this world where we're not executing on projects and finishing a project plan, we're delighting customers. And we're using insights to navigate how we do that and continually shift what we're working on.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. And I I would even take a shout out to um, folks with a technology background involved in this interdisciplinary teams, particularly folks, uh, developers who've had experience creating digital products for clients or for their business over the years. As a business person, I've learned from them because they teach you the mantra that the digital product that we've developed is by its requirements going to have to evolve and, and change and, and 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 keep moving, right? Yep. And they know that. You know, I think great software developers understand that in their way that they go about building product. Yeah. Now we have to marry with them, but what I would say is they've taught us a lesson as business professionals, product managers to Embrace that and use that as a way to think about our product strategy, mm-hmm. our overall business and commercial strategy as well. We're not done. Clients are a moving target, and so that you know, digital product experiences have to evolve. and And I would say, you know, I know you didn't ask this, but I'm going to share this because I think it's apropos here, which is sometimes the hardest people to convince that a digital product is never really done are the senior most leaders of any given business because <laughs> they feel like once you've hit that mark and we're there and now the clock is ticking on my ROI of that investment. That's a cultural mind shift change that starts sometimes that has to really feed in at the executive level before the business can operate effectively.
2: Man, I could not agree with you more. And, And I would say that what we find is the death of any product is when you get to that point where you think you've arrived, right? Being number one. And you have to continue to challenge the status quo if you're not evolving your product and meeting your customer needs. We live in a world where the cost of change is so cheap that your customer can go and and switch, right? And choose something else. And so all of a sudden, you've lost all that market share you've worked so hard to get, and you're not number one anymore. That takes a change in the way people think. So I'm curious about that. We're talking a lot about just mindset here, right? How people think. And I truly believe that the way people think, it really drives behaviors, right? It's the lens they look through to make judgment calls and decisions. So what have you found? How have you worked with executives? How have you worked with your team members to really help teach them how to think differently? How does that work?
0: Yeah, it's a a meaty question. And it's one that um, I would say is an ongoing open issue, right? Because it 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 has peaks and valleys of when you have to really deal with it. But I think the biggest thing that I've strived to do here and work with my leadership team, but also my peers and and peers in the industry, is get back to the customer, right? Mm don't forget that anything you're doing here is in service of the customer even if you're doing a digital product strategy or digital product experience that is intended initially for internal efficiencies there's mm-hmm. an impact on the customer somewhere in your business so think about that customer impact and understand that that customer to your point earlier they especially if your digital product experience is kind of as a service they have a lot of flexibility to move elsewhere, right? So start and retrench back into the customer. And at first you don't have to preach that. People yep. embrace yep. that. But what you do have to work at, and what I've had to work at is that customer's needs today have changed from what we knew about that customer, you know, six months ago, a year ago, right? Totally. So that part of that digital product is always evolving. The way we do customer insights is also evolving. The types of insights we're going to glean are evolving. So to me, it's that idea of being an insights-driven business to understand what's changing your customer. Show that your customer is evolving and that if you want to be successful with the digital product strategy you've got not only do we have to develop digital products and be agile but we have to understand and accept that that's going to shift and change and so for me my own personal experience is not getting religion around thinking customer first here at Mm course we don't need to do that right we do that on a daily basis (laughs) it's that the customer's needs are changing pretty rapidly and we have to behave differently accordingly, right? Mm. So we can't go back into the into the lab, build something in isolation for for ten months, mm-hmm. come out with a big you know pyrotechnic show and tell customers, look what we made you, right? right. Because the, the chances are half of them are not, are not in the audience anymore; they've already left because <laughs> right. um, they've been waiting too long. Right. Um, and the other thing is that the ones who are still there, they're like. Hey, can you do something different now? Right. Um, and so that, that means iteration, yep. right? We have to iterate quicker and we have to be connected to our customers and, and move things. So we don't try to do these big drops of product strategy, big drops of product capability. Mm-hmm. Because we have a strategy, but we try to move in faster cycles that are more manageable to allow us to adjust as we learn. Right. And what I've learned from that is customers really appreciate it. Yeah they see tangible progress and we're making sort of big changes with them in a step by step fashion that they can also use right if right. you change it too dramatically i find that customers are like wait 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 uh, you broke my you broke me here my whole process is built around this thing <laughs> that you just changed i don't know how to do that right? right but if you step them through it they tend to go with you and they embrace it better and they're actually more participant in helping you understand where you need to go next so yeah. You know, that's kind of my experience of working in this around your question is, is there's a lot of facets of how that question manifests in our operations around here.
2: Yep. Yep. And so it sounds like you're really teaching people by, hey, yeah, we have a focus on the customer. Let's think about the ramifications of that. And what does a customer need and want? How do we serve them best? And oh, by the way, we do that through these small incremental tweaks. And I heard you say a really key thing, which I like, which is let's be a learning environment, right? Let's learn from them. And so it's not just iterating quickly, it's making sure you have that feedback loop, goes all the way back to the beginning of what we just talked about, about having that closed loop cycle. Right? It's not enough to collect the yeah. insights. It's about we have to learn it, we have to digest it, and then we have to act on it again. And so I'm starting to see this picture of how these insights are actually fueling our iteration and allowing us to go faster and faster and faster.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I think you, you've said it really well and very succinctly there. And you know, it's all the more reason why I support and, and drive Forrester being an insights-driven business because it has dramatic value to me leading a part of our business and driving great digital product experiences. Hmm. Um, and it operates just as you described. So um, it does kind of connect full circle. I probably should have put that together before we sat down to talk. But um, <laughs> sometimes I need somebody to, to point out the obvious to me. So thank uh, you.
2: No, it, it's fun. It's what we were talking about earlier, where you put all the data points on the table and you see them and, oh my gosh, things start to make sense. Right? This is the fun part, Right? is yeah. when you have those insights. Um, so. Our chief technology advisor, Jonathan Rivers, who's been a guest on this podcast before many times, often says that he believes that product management is the next big thing when it comes to creating high-performing product teams. I'm curious, do you think he's onto something there? And is it possible that a discipline that is seemingly so commonplace can really help differentiate the best from the rest in the product space?
0: Yeah, it's a good one. Um, and I will admit to being biased as I respond to this because I have a product management responsibility. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm answering. Uh, I put the I'm ball on the tee. You just have to
1: hit it. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect.
0: No, you know, I, I really do think it is. And, 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 and I mean that uh, sincerely, in as much as product management has a really you know, central role, it's kind of like the central nerve system of our digital products experience. Our client experience, how we coordinate with internal resources to execute, and all the other organs are really important here, right? You know, all the other complete players that are helping us contribute—the developers, the UX team, the data scientists, you know, uh, the customer support and customer engagement teams, or are, are however the business is operating relative to to the listeners. But what I would think is that the product management has to kind of see across all this, mm-hmm. and so when I Hiring product managers, when I coach product managers, and when we work against how we're going to behave, number one is we, you know, exercise a high degree of accountability for success, right? Um. If no one else is going to take accountability, we will. Hmm. Not because maybe we own it, but because we want to be responsible across the board for the interdisciplinary team that we kind of coordinate and orchestrate. Mm-hmm. So that, that degree is important. And I think product management becomes a distinct breed in that. Um, they take a lot of accountability. They're great listeners. They're also great coaches to those around them, right? We talk a lot about coaching at Forrester. And to me... Product managers are great coaches. They coach clients to help us understand what they need. They coach internal teams to get the most effective output and the most effective success out of them. And they kind of sit in the center of all of that. So, product management's a great area to be in because we're doing a lot of things to drive business success. And um, we're kind of at the center of that. we see yeah. it all. We're not always doing everything ourselves, thank yeah. God. But uh, you know, we're we're uh, we're in there. So yeah I, yeah, I think it. I think it is part of of kind of the new digital business, if you will, of that product management being a lifeblood of it.
2: Do you find what I do that that a lot of people still don't understand what a product manager does, and there's a lack of understanding?
0: <laughs> I get asked that question by my own field teams all the time. What is it that you do? Can you Why? do this for me? Can you do that for me? Right? Um. Yeah, it's a big mystery. I, I think it is. Maybe it's historically it was so tied to engineering mm-hmm. that it was just kind of seen as like, aren't you guys just other technical people that kinda mm-hmm. do requirements and stuff? I think that maybe part of it is just a legacy of where maybe historically some product management has lived. But I, I think um, great product managers are right at the front end of the business, mm-hmm. right in front of the customers and in driving this. And so a lot of organizations don't know, but if they See us in action. They start to see what we what we do. So I try to, com, you know, commit my team to being visible in their job. Mm-hmm. Don't you don't need to promote yourself, but what you need to do is be visible. Yep. And if visibility is, you know, clarity around what you're trying to get done in relationship to the customer outputs you're trying to drive to, and accountability around that. And when you and when the ecosystem around us sees us doing that, yep. they know. They yeah. see it, right? So to me, it's like, don't be a wallflower as a product manager. I don't need <laughs> you to be, uh, you know, um, they're all rock stars. I don't need you to be like a shiny, you know, you know crazy rock star. I just need right. you to be really good and be visible to everybody because that's what, you know, proves out that case. But I do think you're right. The world is wondering what we do around here. And uh, <laughs> uh, we're on our path to showing them, right?
2: Yeah, n- no doubt about it. And I, I think needed more and more and more in this digital world, right, is is so important. Bo- boil it down for us. Three different points. What is the key role that a product manager plays? And I picked three. It might be two, it might be four, I don't know. But if, if you had to summarize it for somebody off the street that you were saying for the first time, let me, let me describe for you, what do I do uh, uh, in leading product? What is it?
0: I think the biggest thing is know the customer today and where the customer is going. Yep. Align that knowledge of the customer to the product experience we're trying to create. Yep. And orchestrate the ecosystem to help us achieve that customer experience that we're trying to get. That to me is what I would pencil it in as.
2: I love that word orchestrate. I I think it really hits the nail on the head of a big piece of it that a lot of people don't get. Um, which is that this is the role in the organization that connects the entire ecosystem, right? Product management is working with finance, working with marketing, working with engineering, right? Is really the hub in the middle of all of the spokes and pulling it all together. That orchestration is so powerful and important and goes back to what you were talking about, about taking the responsibility and and being accountable for it is really driving it forward by pulling all the pieces together so that you deliver the right experience for the customer and all Ultimately, the other thing that I see forget is drive the outcomes for the business that you're looking for.
0: Yeah, it's true. It's true. There is a tangible and demonstrative impact that product management has on business success, and um, which is why I think your colleague is onto something there, which is it's kind of the next big thing. If you want to drive <laughs> growth, bring in some great product management and support them.
2: Yeah, no doubt. That's a key point. Support them in doing it. Awesome. Tyler, this has been so much fun. I feel like we could do this for another three hours, um, but thank you so much for taking the time to join us. It, it's been truly a pleasure to talk about, not only the aspects of the product mindset, but really this idea of being an insights-driven business. A fascinating topic. Um, if you'd like to learn more about Tyler McDaniel and Forrester's analytics team, please check the links in the show notes uh, to connect to Tyler on LinkedIn and to visit the analytics page on Forrester's website. You can also join more than 382,000 people that are following Forrester on Twitter, um, at at Forrester. Tyler, thanks so much. It's been an awesome time.
0: David, it's a pleasure. I appreciate the time and um, best wishes to you and the team.
1: Awesome. The Innovation Engine Podcast is brought to you by 3Pillar Global, a product lifecycle management and software development company based in Fairfax, Virginia. Head to www3 dot pillarglobalcom to learn more about our services. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and Spotify. And we post extensive show notes for each episode on the 3Pillar website at 3pillarglobal.com slash podcast. That's three with the number three. Last but not least, we're always striving to improve here on the Innovation Engine podcast. And we get asked often, Who listens to it? We can see from our analytics that a pretty healthy number of you do listen, but raw download numbers don't do much to help us learn who out there is listening, what your day to day jobs are like, and what kinds of topics or which specific guests you might like to hear from. So, if you'd like to help make the innovation engine a little bit better, please take a few short minutes out of your day and shoot me a quick email with some of that information. Will.sherlin at 3 is my email address. Also, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn and message me there. Thanks as always for listening, and we'll see you next time.